when, whether it's the first time you've heard that parable or many, it's unforgettable once you hear it. As I have remarked, parables are less a description of reality and more attempting to work the kingdom of God in us. So let's hear a parable. Like many of you, I met a stranger in need this holiday weekend. If you didn't, I am sure you will in the weeks ahead. And that encounter, this parable would suggest, has something to do with the spirituality of being open to God's coming into our lives. And at this point in the gospel, there's much at stake in that openness. So outside Trader Joe's, sitting on the ground, was a roughly dressed man, dressed for winter sleeping outside. Cardboard sign, black felt marking, homeless, hungry, help. I did not help, nor did I cross the way to come close. I'm sure you have done the same. And I did so, and you did so, for many good reasons. But my conscience was seized without my permission, and my shopping in that trip was less at ease. Could that have been Jesus? Ever watch someone shopping in Trader Joe's? They wander around for 40 minutes and never actually buy anything? (laughs) One of the ways I justify myself in circumstances like that is I, in fact, have ordered my giving and my generosity in my life to include those in need. I do this in a particular way, and I'm not casting a judgment on how you do it. But the way I give, because my, I'm pretty unorganized and my, my giving is pretty simple, I take all off the top of my check and give it directly to the church before it falls into my bank account. And I give actually in that as much as I can afford. I really only give to one place. You may give in a number of ways. This is the way I do it. And I adjust that amount each year as I'm able. I have no other pockets. That's the one pocket. But I know and trust that the needs of the least of these are taken into account in the church. And better than that, I also know that That goes to fuel generosity much beyond me as we seek to encourage one another in this very gospel. So it suits me in my simple life, and I call that to mind in the moment where I'm seized by that face in need and go on my way. Note to self, as the Apostle Paul said, according to the law, blameless. So, does that relieve my conscience? Well, of course not. 
I'm standing in the frozen food section, attempting to justify myself as I have the image of that face seared upon my eyes. There are other ways to harden our hearts, and we're all well-schooled in them. And there's different ways of thinking as we approach these issues. The purely scientific way, which is in fact the way most many folks are think about the world, is that that person, you and I, are a product of cause and effect, of random occurrences which over time have produced one person in this circumstance and one person in another, and I can't really in that moment have any control over that. What the quarter I might have in my pocket won't help change that moment, and so There's nothing that I can do in this immense mechanism of the clockwork of the world to change that person's circumstance. So I go on my way. But I still can't get this face out of my mind while I shop. As I made my way out of the... um, fresh fruits aisle into the frozen section. I then recognize that that's not really satisfactory. It doesn't call, doesn't account for everything that I've experienced in that moment. So there's another way we think about ourselves and about people is that we are in fact individuals with free will. And that person has made it into that circumstance through his or her own actions. And if I give, that may be, in fact, enabling a pattern of behavior in which this person really needs to move to help themselves. And that is a way to justify moving on. I confess it didn't solve my problem. I was still gripped by something that I just had not given permission to take hold of me. By works works righteousness, I was justified in the way I order my life. By the hard works of survival of the fittest, I really couldn't help that person out of that person's circumstance. And as a person of free will, I like to t- tell myself that I, this person was somewhat responsible for their actions to be there. When you add all that up, it sounds terribly crass. But that's the way we think. It's called ethics in some sense, the ethic way we sort out our actions. Yet it's not adequate. In fact, those ways of thinking, the doing works to be good people, the scientific way of thinking, the individual way of thinking, once we have, those are part of our world, but once we've reached the end of them, there still seems yet more. A spirituality not adequately claimed in those different thoughts. And there was that face seared before me that Jesus claims might be the very face of his presence in the world. 
Jesus seems to be calling us to wake up. Wake up. Because there is a presence of God in the world that intrudes upon us like a beggar at the grocery store. And if we're not open to that, if we've hardened our hearts, we'll miss the very presence and coming of God into our lives. If one reads closely, it turns out that the face of the stranger, most especially the one in the need, is in Scripture the sacrament the point of connection between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of us in Scripture. One can go all the way back and trace God's path in both the Jewish Bible and in the Christian New Testament and bear witness to the true stranger in the world is God. God is the most Unlike us in Scripture from beginning to end, yet most vulnerable to us. If you begin at the beginning, we have the story of this strange God who walks in the cool of the garden and goes through this, this very difficult internal struggle of whether God's going to correct the world through force. When that happens, God repents, the text says. Repents of doing that. And so from there on out, this strange God attempts, unlike any other God conceived in the ancient world, attempts to walk with us in our presence. God comes to Abraham as three strangers. Remember that story from earlier? Three strangers. Abraham opened his heart to Abraham and Sarah to hospitality in that moment. Jacob, Jacob, in his own struggle with conscience, was struggled in the middle of the night with a strange visitor. They wrestled. It seemed like Jacob won, but Jacob's life was possessed then, therefore, from there on. In this journey with this God who calls our conscience to account, hidden in the world, working in us. In the story of Joseph, God works beneath the slings and arrows of common events in ways unseen, but in the end, we have the remarkable Joseph and his brothers are opened up. Surely God has done this and we did not know that extraordinary act of forgiveness. And then the strangest God of all who listens to the cries of a people of no account and rescues you from the mighty Pharaoh and leading ahead in a fiery pillar and a smoking mountain. It's a strange God indeed who comes to dwell with us. God is the stranger in Scripture. And then... In case you didn't believe me, the New Testament. 
God fully present in a poor carpenter from Nazareth, homeless on the night of his birth, who for the sake of the goodness he sees in us, opens himself to astonishing vulnerability to our power in the world. No, the stranger, if this spirituality is correct, the stranger in the scripture is God. And if we fail to open ourselves to the person different from ourselves, A, we can't open our hearts and make a world at peace, but B, we miss the very presence of the one coming into our midst. Now, whether or not you reach out to the need of that person in that moment, I don't judge you for, for not doing that. But Jesus is saying there's something extraordinarily important at stake in keeping our hearts open to the stranger in the world. Sometimes that stranger, I confess in my life, has been me. <laughs> Looking into the mirror, there's suddenly someone there I don't recognize. You can begin there. Begin with the person next to you. Who... But always, ever more intently, open to the one different from ourselves. And when we do that, we make room for the one who comes among us to build a world of peace and love. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly come. And to God alone will be the glory, now and forever. Amen.